Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 474. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Let's read our passage. Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. This is Second Corinthians, a letter that Paul is sending to Corinth. He's sending it with Titus. He's in Macedonia, and Titus has just came from Corinth and reported that things are going better there, that Paul had visited Corinth, had to leave quickly because there was a lot of opposition. He had sent a letter called the Tearful Letter via Titus, challenging them on how to resolve the issue. And it seems that it's worked between the letter and Titus's presence there. Uh, the majority of the church now is supportive of Paul. And Paul's sending this letter to try and restore relationship with the remaining few. He was dealing with his travel plans, something that's upset them. He said he would come, but then he didn't come. He sent Titus instead. And there's been accusations thrown around because of that. Now he's in a section where he's talking more at a high level about his ministry, what it is he's doing and why he does that. So he's been talking about the new covenant versus the old covenant. The new covenant is salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sin. And that's contrasted to the old covenant, the law given to Moses on Mount Sinai, that is Judaism. And there's apparently a group of people in Corinth who have come to Corinth. They were Jewish Christians, and they are teaching people that you have to follow Judaism in order to be a follower of Christ. And Paul's arguing that the old covenant has been done away with and replaced by the new covenant. So if you've already embraced the new covenant, don't go trying to jump on board with the old covenant. So let's pick it up here, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. So he's following on to the, the discussion we just had, he's, this ministry. We have this ministry. What ministry? Well, the ministry of the new covenant. That's what he's been talking about. And this is the, the ministry that, that brings about spirit and righteousness. It's a ministry from God, and it, it's made Paul sufficient to carry out this ministry. He's contrasted it from the ministry of the Old Covenant, which he now rejects. In verse 2, he says, Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, and not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but committing ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. Now, there's a couple different ways to take this, and some say that he's actually probably meaning both here. Is he dealing with 
accusations they're making against him, or is he making some veiled accusations, characterizations of some of these false teachers that have come to Corinth? Some say it's kind of both, that there's been accusations that he does things secretly, but he's saying, no, we don't do that. The implication is these false teachers, they do, or acting deceitfully. Paul says, no, we don't. We haven't done that. But the implication is, but these guys do. Or distorting the word of God. Paul's saying, no, we don't do that. But these guys do. So he had talked earlier, uh, back in chapter 2, verse 17, about those who are marketing the word. Is Are these some characterizations he's lobbying at those who market the word? Hard to say. So we're not doing these things but we're committing ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. So he's talking about just their openness. They're not being secretive. They're wide open about everything. And everyone's conscience. Well, he had talked earlier about the clarity of his conscience. And people who are followers of Christ, their conscience is guided by the Holy Spirit. So I think he's basically saying here, if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit should testify to you about our honesty and openness here, and that should be all you need to know. Now, he uses three phrases here during in this section, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, that he had used back when we were in chapter 2 in the paragraph of uh, verses 14 to 17, and it repeats three phrases here, or at least three word groups. One of them is right here, where he says, committing ourselves before God. He had used that same phrase, before God, back in chapter 2, verse 17. We talked about we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. So the, the repetition of, of some of the things in that paragraph are, are interesting to note. And he's building upon the previous argument. This is not like you know, each of these paragraphs is an independent unit. So that was uh, just a couple of episodes ago we looked at, at those uh, references. So before God, you know, your conscience should tell you before God that we are an open display of the truth. And verse 3 says, but if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There's another repetition here. This uh, word perishing was used back in chapter 2, verse 15 where he talked about the God were the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Similar here, talking about those who are perishing. There's two kinds of people in the world, those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Those who are being saved, their conscience testifies that they're speaking the truth because they're guided by the Holy Spirit. Those who are perishing, well, the gospel is veiled. And he's been using that imagery of veiled uh, quite a bit, where the Moses would wear the veil over his face because people couldn't bear to get a glimpse of the glory of God reflected from Moses because of their own sinfulness. Well, to those who are perishing, it's because of their own sinfulness that they are, are veiled from the truth of the gospel. So back to those two groups of people here, those who are being saved, they're conscience 
is guided by the Holy Spirit. They recognize the truth of what Paul is saying. But those who are perishing, they do not recognize the truth of what Paul is saying because the gospels are veiled from them. Now, verse 4, in their case, well, whose case? Those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So who's the God of this age? I think it's obvious he's talking about Satan here. Some are saying, no, no, the only, there's only one God of the age, and that is the Lord, and he is the one who's blinded them. I think in the context, he, he's referring to Satan here. Satan, who is often called things like the god of the air, the ruler of the realm of the earth. But the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, specifically to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Christ is the image of God, and he reveals the glory of God. And if people could just see that, the the gospel proclaims that glory and this illumination from the gospel. But the people can't see it because their hearts are veiled. Their sight is blinded by Satan from seeing that. So we're talking spiritual realities here. This isn't just we're, we're not arguing it well enough to where people, if they could just hear what I'm saying if they were just smart enough to understand, if I could just make a better argument. No, we're talking spiritual realities here. That the, the God of this age has blinded them so they can't see the glory of God through Christ. Now, verse 5. We are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He's throwing in here, this, this isn't about us. This is about God. And we are slaves to Jesus Christ, and we are just proclaiming him. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Well, here's another repetition. This is uh, repeated from back in chapter 2, verse 14. So this is the third of these repetitions from that paragraph 2, 14 through 17. Here the, the phrase, the knowledge of God's glory. Back in 2.14, he talked about the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you got some Old Testament imagery going on here. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Was he referring to Genesis chapter 1 there? The Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. Could be. He is making a reference to that, but he may be referring to more than that. Some say he's actually referring to Isaiah 9 which in Isaiah 9, there's this prophecy talking about the nations who are in darkness, but who will eventually be revealed the light of the Lord. His truth will be revealed to the nations that are in darkness. Regardless of which, and maybe it's just referring to both there, but God who has shown light out of darkness, says he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Back to those who are perishing, they can't see it. Those who are being saved do see it. And God's the one who's revealed this. He's revealed this, shown this light in our hearts, so that because of that, 
we can have that knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, question should jump out here. So if the people whose hearts are veiled, those who are perishing, are blinded from seeing the truth of the gospel because of the God of this age, but yet those who are being saved, God has revealed the light to them so that they can't experience the knowledge of the glory of God. How does that work? How do people see this, the light, the truth of the gospel, if they're blinded by the God of this age? Well, Paul doesn't answer that question here. And because that's not Paul's point. Paul's talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. Those who are perishing versus those who are being saved. Those who are blinded versus those who are experiencing the light of the gospel. That's what Paul's focus here. He's not talking about the mechanisms of how that works. Even though we have a lot of curiosity here, we say, well, how does that work? And the answer is the Holy Spirit. Now, depending on what particular systems of theology you subscribe to, the bottom line there is, the Bible says people do not naturally come to Christ because of their sinfulness. Here he talks specifically because they're blinded by the God of this age. But it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to us. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole issues of election and such, but that the Holy Spirit does reveal the truth of the gospel. So like I said, there's spiritual realities at play here. But if you just look at the two groups, there's a group who they're blinded. They're blinded because of spiritual forces. But there's another group who had the light revealed to them by spiritual forces. And they are the ones who are able to experience the knowledge of the glory of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.